fairy lights for fairy nights. It's time for your bedtime story. Brought to you by me, the Suze. Also brought to you by me, Zelda. Put your PJs on and sit down for a soothing bedtime story. It's not just the devil in the details. What else is lurking? Fairy lights for fairy nights. Hello there. Hello. How are you? I am just fine. Today is the 1st of April. And this is exciting because... Spring is is here. Even so, though <laughs> to die on April first, we had our a, a snowfall here in Ohio. A couple inches. It was shocking. It was shocking to everyone involved. Shockingly yet, cold. Shockingly cold to everyone involved. Yes. But um, Zelda is having some problem with the elves of the internet. They're messing with her. Is that what's and making all the racket on your table? Oops. I think <laughs> I adjusted some things. But yes, those elves are making a racket, and uh, they're messing with her internet. Evil elves. Grim Maybe ones. because we spoke of them on this podcast. Could be. Digital yeah. elves. Yeah. So maybe yeah, there we we referred to them as something besides the good people, and they said, "That's it. I'm going to make a bunch of trouble." They made a bunch of trouble. No one noticed. Then they messed with the internet, and everyone noticed. Mm-mm-mm. So yeah. Anyway, Isn't that a shame. It is. It's it's terrifying, actually. If elves can match with max with your internet now, well, you better be nice. What else? You better is be nice? good. You better be good to the good people. So, I Ken, agree. you're helping me out, and I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Uh, pleasure to, to pitch in where I can. Yeah, and uh, you also would want to talk later about uh, your new show, which is exciting. So it came from Cleveland. Yeah, it came from Cleveland, which... Um, is coming along soon and uh, is on the Radio for Humans Network. The Radio for Humans Network of people doing <laughs> of things. Radio for Humans. Uh, yeah, radio yeah. We're, we're debuting. And some fairies. Yeah, we're, we're debuting uh, tomorrow. Full fairies or humans too, right? No, maybe not. Superhumans. They're not. Um, They're not. But, uh, but yeah, tomorrow, uh, 7 p.m., 7 to 10, uh, the old turn up the nighttime slots. Uh, we're going to have our very first It Came From Cleveland show with me, Joe Santorsa, and Miles and Michelle Lagan. And it, I will tell everybody what's going to happen on the show later. So Yeah, and we can talk about it all we want, but, you know, we can talk about it all we need. But, yeah, sure. um, we have some fairy tales picked out for you. Some lovely things, and uh, you got a lot of stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Living so in Long Island, exciting. we'll be happy to know there is some. Let's pretend. Yeah. I don't know We've if it's all. I don't pretend. know if it's cream of wheat. Let's pretend, or, or 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 generic. Well, if he's jonesing, there is a cream of wheat. Let's pretend on the left there, Ken, in white. I know. I put it there. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'll be so good to each as we have it every day. We sing this song, it will make us strong, and it takes the job. Hooray! It's good for growing babies and grown-ups to eat. For all the family breakfast, you can see cream of wheat. Cream of wheat, it's unfit to eat, so throw that ish away. <laughs> That's right. And the question is, is it good for growing babies? I or guess. good for babies that just happen to be growing? Or, or babies that are crap cannons, because that stuff turns to poop in five minutes. Yep. Sure does. <laughs> Fully digested in five minutes. Strong. Cream of wheat. Cream of wheat. Fill your turd rocket with cream of wheat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, in the the month of April, um, I wanted to play this one yesterday, but I unfortunately played, uh, well, no, Tuesday, but I unfortunately Tuesday. played The Mermaid's Message instead accidentally. There's something that said, March's Call. So, it's, I think that's in blue. All right, you know where well, that let, me, is? let me take a look here. Um, yeah, and so he's uh, going to be looking around. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about different fairy tales that we can hit, and then uh, next Tuesday we'll hit a lot of seafaring stuff and a lot of mermaids because I'd like to think that that might inspire Zelda and uh, everybody to uh, draw mermaids. Mermaid like marches call. March's call. That's it. Well, it says that's mermaid it. march. March's call. So yeah, yeah, because it's called March's call, and uh, I listened to it beforehand. So it's a delightful little thing. So let's. Okay. That's a quick one. So let's let's listen to that real quick. Here you go, boss. Chapter six of the Mermaid's Message and other stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Charlie Data. Chapter 6 March's Call by Maud L. Betts Who, who? March was certainly calling someone. Who could it be? The children came out and flew their kites and rolled their hoops, laughing when the wind blew their hats off and made them race down the hill after them. But still he went on calling. It must be someone else he wanted. The birds were too far away and most of them to hear him. Who could it be? Down under the ground there was quite a commotion. Little rootlets were spreading out this way and that, and there was such a whispering and laughing going on. What was the matter? Why, March had been calling the flowers, and they were all awake, beginning to grow with all of their might, and having such fun over it that you would have thought it was all play. They were in a great hurry to push their way through the ground and brighten the world with their blossoms. Are you ready? It's time we were starting, called Snowdrop, her voice fairly bubbly over the laughter at the thought of the surprise she would be when she popped her head out. Yes, yes, called the others. Go on, we'll follow you. It's too cold for me to go just yet, said Crocus. But I'll be there as soon as dear old bluebirds begin singing. I'll bring my silver and gold blossoms, cried Narcissus. And my bells will be ringing before your blossoms fade, laughed Hyacinth. And even while she was speaking, two rootlets found a chance to creep down into the cool earth to find some food for the little plant. Violet was so busily at work growing that she did not talk as much as the others, but the very first morning she popped her head into the violet bonnet above the ground, she whispered, I'm here! The whole air grew sweet with her fragrance, 
And the children said, Spring has come for violets here. Dear brave little flowers, they never grumbled all through the long cold winter that they had to stay under the ground. They were sure that the loving father who gave them their work to do knew what was best for them. Their long resting time helped them to work better. So when March called, they were ready to jump up and go happily and busily to work growing so that soon they might brighten the world with their blossoms. No wonder they laughed and were so happy. End of chapter six, read by Charlie Data. Does that make you yawn? Are, are you are you saying that that was not the most no, riveting? No, that's ever. It, well, no, I mean it was. You know, the, a lot of the LibriVox. You know, obviously LibriVox is is a nice service because it's a volunteer thing. But no, I was like humming that what that that spring. You know, where mm, nature. That, I don't know that. Oh gosh! Oh, they play it in Looney Tunes and stuff like that. When you know nature and there's butterflies and rabbits hopping and you know. Oh, I didn't know. That's exciting. I don't think I've heard that before. Yeah, you have. Uh, I'm just not maybe the best singer. (laughs) You mean da 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 no not that one. Anyway, she was talking about hoops and kites, and uh, this is the time that we we fly our kites. Everybody's you can do that in social distance. That's exciting. Um, you could put your buddy on a kite and and hang out and have him you know fly up, and that would be really really social distance. You'd have to have a big big kite or a really small friend. A really small friend, which we do. We can put our fairy friends on the our little kites. But yeah, you have already pictured and uh seen the crocuses those are in the backyard yes um, we we've have already seen bluebirds in purple. the backyard we have the dark purple crocuses we have the yellow crocuses the white crocuses plus we have daffodils that are popping yep. up already and we also have uh irises coming up the at least or no yeah the beginning of irises the beginning yeah. of the leaves but they're, the yeah leaves. they're 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 Sticking their leaves out of the ground like big spikes. But the hyacinths, she mentioned, are in full bloom in the front, covered in snow right now. Yeah. Uh, we do not have violets yet, but we will in the backyard come summer. They come a little later for us. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. We've got so a lot of things growing, though. It's it's very exciting. And plus, you know, we're, we're avid feeders of birds. So we get yeah. uh, other fun things growing in the yard too that uh, we not you know wildflowers and things like that. Yeah, yeah, they they plant strange stuff. So yeah, this is uh, another sign of spring. That's rather that's exciting, even though we got a snowstorm today. But yeah. um, and also next everybody week could be even better. Yeah, well, and and also people are talking about uh, liver box recordings. I'm an advocate of litter box recordings, which are fairy tales uh, read by cats. Yeah. So it's nice that the cats are creative and they make litter box recordings. <laughs> yeah, uh, all, all that is is scratch, 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 scratch. Yeah. So. Yeah. They do create their own things though, and it's disgusting. <laughs> Hairballs, yeah. turds. Turds, yeah. All that. So, 
What else we got there, Ken? I can't. Well, there is a lot of stuff. We've got a couple. We could stagger out. We have two different. Um, um, let's pretend. We've got uh, the Ceres and Persephone. Uh, yeah, pro- those might be sea oriented, Persephone. but. And we have the Golden Fleece. Um, yeah, I don't know so. if that's sea oriented. That might be less sea oriented than. There's the, the Goose Girl as well. Yeah, that's not sea oriented. Nope. I don't know if that's grim. That's it's, it might be grim. It's let's pretend. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's and then we exciting. have some uh we also have a whole bunch of different uh Jewish uh folklore as well that you found. Yeah, I just found fun. a whole bunch of neat stuff. Yeah. So, so um but yeah, if if ever if ever if the kids want we could go with uh the goose girl. Yeah, let's just go with the Goose Girl, see what that's about. I think, now, usually uh, we play the I Remember and say what we remember about it. Oh, okay. And in this case, uh, I think the Goose Girl is, um, does it say Anderson or is it Grimm? You already told me. It says Let's Pretend, the Goose Girl. Let's Pretend. I think it's... If it's let's pretend, they probably put a good spin on it. But I think the Goose Girl is rather uh, creepy. I think it's a creepy story. Well, I don't it's know the story. Ending. Yeah. I don't. I don't know the story. But if I was going to guess, if I if I had to do an educated guess on what this is about, it would be. Um, I think she's a were goose, and oh. I think at the sight of uh, uh, not a full moon. But a, a full English breakfast, um, she turns into a goose. Oh, wow. Yep, blood That's sausages and all. That's a great guess. Yeah, so if soon as she sees... you got to be aware of something, aware goose sucks. Soon as she sees those fried mushrooms and, and potatoes and beans and, and eggs and all those sausages and things like that, she's just like, eh, i got to turn into a goose now. I'm a, I'm a were goose. That's a good it's, guess. Yeah, it's, I, I I know it's going to be accurate. <laughs> totally, um, totally. So. Okay, well, let's see, because I'm fascinated now. You're, you're dying to know. You're dying to know. So. Dying to know. All right. Oh, I think the goose girl approacheth now. Yes. This is the Let's Pretend story of the goose girl. Hello, pretenders. Hello, Uncle Ted. The Goose Girl is one of my favorites, Uncle Ted. It's one of my favorites, too, Emily. And Matthew says how we travel. Well, since our story is the Goose Girl, how about a flock of giant wild geese flying north? All righty. Everybody sit tight. Hold fast. All set. One, two, three. These birds are headed for Let's Pretend and point beyond the northern sea. Let's go, birdies! Once upon a time in a... Once upon a... 
A marriage had been arranged between the Princess Margaret and the handsome Prince Michael, whom she had never seen. As our story begins, she's ready for the journey, and we find her talking with her mother, the gentle Queen Elaine, while they await the maidservant, Ellen, who is to accompany the princess. So you see, darling, this marriage has been arranged ever since you and Michael were tiny children, and I know you will be very happy. How do you know that, Mother? Because Michael is like his father, King Rayburn. Come in. Come in. Oh, Ellen, are you ready to leave? I am quite ready, Queen Elaine. Good. Ellen, you have served me for many years. I trust you. You are a clever servant and a shrewd one, too. I know you will look after my daughter. I am honored, madam. Now, Margaret, listen carefully. And you too, Ellen. In order to safeguard you further on your dangerous journey, I am giving you my greatest possession. It is Falada. Falada? Your magic horse, Mother? The horse that talks, madam? You will give him to your daughter? Yes. For then I will know that she has every protection. Oh, dearest mother. And now, one more thing before you start. The most important of all. And this must be among just us three. Give me that handkerchief, Margaret. Oh, mother, what are you going to do? Don't be afraid, my darling. I'm going to prick my finger just a little bit. Oh. There. It's all right. Now hold the handkerchief so that it will catch three drops of blood. Steady now. One, two, three. Here they are. What are they for, Mother? This, this handkerchief with its three drops of blood completes the magic charm of Falada's speech and the strength to protect you. No harm can ever come to you while you keep the two by you. But should you lose the handkerchief, Falada will only be able to speak. You will be quite at the mercy of your enemies. So guard it well. Oh, Mother, I shall. <laughs> and now, Falada is waiting. Open the door, Alan. <laughs> Speak to me, Falada. Promise me you will protect my daughter. With my life, my queen. It is well. Take care of her, Alan. Until we meet again, Margaret. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mother dear. Goodbye. Oh, at last. Here's a lovely little stream of water. And I'm very thirsty. Ellen? Yes? Take my golden cup and get me a drink of water, please. No. I'm no longer your servant, Margaret. If you want a drink, then get it yourself. Ellen, you can't mean that. I certainly do. I've been waiting for this opportunity ever since we started. Oh, shame, Ellen. Shame. You keep still, you idiotic Falada. Ellen, how can you be so disloyal to my mother? Do be a good girl and obey me. Get the drink yourself. You ungrateful, Ellen. Deceitful, Ellen. Deceitful, Ellen. Shut up, Falada, or I'll beat you. Stop, Falada. It's no use. He's mad or something. Wait, please, and I will get a cup of water myself. Oh, Princess Margaret, if your mother knew this, it, it would break her heart. Don't lean over the stream too far, Princess. Be careful. Oh, 
I dropped the handkerchief. It's floating out in the stream. Oh, help me, Ellen. <laughs> Just what I hoped would happen. The precious handkerchief with its three drops of blood has fallen out of your blouse. <laughs> and there it goes to the bottom of the stream. Oh, how terrible. Oh, what will become of me now? I'll tell you exactly what will become of you. I hope you'd lose that blessed handkerchief. Now, I am in command, and the first thing you do, young lady, is to exchange your royal robes for my servant's dress. What is that you say? This robe instantly, unless you want a horse whipping. Oh, Falada, what can I do? <laughs> my poor dear princess, you have lost the handkerchief. I am powerless to help you now. And let me tell you something more. We are going to Prince Michael as we can. From now on, you are the servant and I the princess. And if you ever dare to tell, then I shall put a curse on your mother that will torture her to a slow and terrible death. I swear, don't harm my mother. Do whatever you like to me, only don't harm her. I swear I will never tell. Oh, princess, if your mother knew this, her heart would break. Keep quiet, Falada, or I'll break this whip over your head. From now on, remember I'm the Princess Margaret, and you are Ellen, my servant, and you will do as I say. <laughs> <laughs> Make way for Her Royal Highness, the Princess Margaret. Make way for Her Royal Highness, the Princess Margaret. They've turned the corner, Michael. They'll be here in one moment. Oh, Father, I must confess I'm a little nervous. Oh, you need have no misgivings. If the Princess Margaret is like her mother, lovely Queen Elaine, you will be the luckiest man in the kingdom. Her Royal Highness, Princess Margaret of Transfolia. Welcome, Princess Margaret. We're delighted to have you here. Thank you, sire. I am happy to be here. And, Princess, this is my son, Prince Michael. You do us great honor, Princess. Oh, it's been a long journey. You must be tired, Princess. Will you first refresh yourself with a cup of tea, and after that we can discuss the plans for the wedding? An excellent idea. Oh, sire, first, uh, a word, please. I brought with me this personal servant, Ellen, but I find she's not at all capable. Can you find a place for her in the dairy or stables? That's about all she's fit for. I know what we can do with her. Have you ever tended geese, my girl? No, sire, never, but I, I'll try my very best. <laughs> all right, Ellen. Ask someone to show you where the geese are kept, and there you'll find Conrad. He'll be glad of your company, I dare say. Thank you, sire. Run along, Ellen. I'm sure you'll make a charming goose girl. <laughs> and now, I'm ready to discuss our wedding, Prince Michael. And so, while the real servant made ready to marry the prince, the real princess tended her geese in the pasture. Come, Ellen, be a nice little goose girl and drive the geese this way. Which way? We take them over through the east gate of the city, and there we tend them all day, but <laughs> you'll not be lonely. <laughs> I'll keep you company. Don't, Conrad. Keep away from me. Oh, what's the matter with you? I'm not a bad fellow. Perhaps not. 
Hello, Conrad. Who's the new goose girl? Hello, John. Now, that's Ellen, who thinks she's a princess and too good for the likes of me. What's new with you? Where are you going? And uh, why the axe? Oh, oh, I'm on my way to kill a horse. Uh, the, the one the Princess Margaret rode in on yesterday. You're not going to kill Falada. Well, now that you mention it, that is his name. Oh, how awful. Why? Why is she going to have Falada killed? Oh, she says he's dangerous. He behaved very badly on the trip here, and she, she doesn't want to see him again. She's afraid he'll tell the king. What did you say? Uh, nothing. Did Conrad call you John? Just that, Goose Girl. Why? Do you want to make some money, John? <laughs> do I? The geese swim. Then do this for me. When you have killed the horse, hang his head over the east gate of the city. If you do what I ask, I will give you a whole golden guinea for yourself. Very well then, Goose Girl. It's a bargain. Conrad, your witness. My poor Falada. But what else could I... Come on, Alan. This is not getting the geese out in the meadow. See you tonight, John. Come on. Shoot, shoot. Come on now, Goose Girl. Let's be friendly. And that dimple on your cheek needs a kiss. Ow! What's the idea of slapping me like that? It may help you to remember your manners. Now let me alone and tend the geese. I'm going to rebraid my hair. <laughs> well, the princess and the castle couldn't be any more stuck up than you. That's just how I mean to be. Oh, Charlie, what beautiful hair you have. Give me a lock of it for my pocket. Let me alone. Oh, don't be silly. Come on. Low wind, wild and free. Take Conrad's hat away with thee. Take it miles and keep him there till I've braided up my golden hair. Stop that. There goes my hat. Stop that! Stop! Shall I open the gate, Conrad? Yes, I'll drive them through. Watch them now. Be sure to close the gate. Good morning, my poor dear Falada. <laughs> You're keeping silent for her sake. If your mother knew, her heart would break. Oh, Please, Falada, keep my secret. Protect my mother. Come on, Conrad, the gate is open. Conrad? You needn't yell. <gasps> I'm right here, behind you. Oh, I, I thought you had gone on. I know you did. What's more, I heard what you said. And I heard that horse answer you. Oh. You're a witch. That's what you are. You called to the wind and it obeyed you. You talked to a dead horse and it answers you. <gasps> And I'm going straight to the king and tell him what I know. No, 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 please, Conrad, don't do that. I beg of you, please, John. <laughs> well, you've changed your tune now, haven't you? Slap me, will you? Blow my hat away, will you? Well, now it's my turn. Wait till the king hears this. Oh, no. I'll get even with you now, my fine lady. Well, Conrad, you asked for an audience. Yes, sire. What have you to say? Pardon, sire, but I can't tend the geese anymore. Why not, fellow? What's the matter? I'm... I'm afraid, sire. Afraid? Of what? Of that new goose girl. The goose girl? Ellen, you mean? Nonsense. Oh, it isn't nonsense, sire. She's bewitched, or enchanted, or something. 
What makes you think so? What does she do? She talks to the wind, sire, and it obeys her. What? What's this you're saying? It's true, sire. She makes it blow my hat away whenever she wants to. And not only that, sire. She talks to a horse. A horse that's dead. And he answers her. You're, you're mad. Your Majesty, I'm not. I, I swear it's true. I beg of you to see for yourself. Well, certainly. I'll have to see it to believe it. Be at the East Gate at 7 in the morning, sire. And you will know then I speak the truth. Woe be to you if you're not. Very well. I shall be there. Good afternoon, Your Majesty. And to you, Prince Michael. You sent for me, sire? Yes, girl. We want to talk to you. And we want truthful answers to our questions. Yes, sire. Now then, briefly, Ellen, I want you to tell Prince Michael and me just exactly who and what you are. I'm just the goose girl, sire. What else? Oh, nothing else, Prince Michael. Who is Falada? Falada, sire? I, I don't know what you mean. Then I'll tell you. Falada is the horse whose head is nailed over the eastern gate of the city. Oh. The one who talks with you. I myself heard him. Now then, how is it that he can speak to you? Oh, sire, I beg of you not to ask. It will mean my life and my mother. Oh, please do not ask that, sire. I have no wish to make you unhappy, but I must unravel this mystery. What are you looking at? That marble statue there. It's my mother. I mean, isn't it Queen Elaine, the mother of Princess Margaret? Yes. Why are you so pale? Are you ill? No. No, I I'm all right. Oh, may I go closer and look at it, Your Majesty? Please? Why, of course. Michael, come with me to the library for a moment. Then Goose Girl can look at it to her heart's content. You have the room to yourself. We shall be back presently. Thank you, sire. Oh, dearest mother, how unhappy your daughter is. Mother, do you know what that wicked Ellen has done? She had Falada killed. She posed as the princess and married the prince meant to be my husband. And I, I can't tell anyone because she swore she would harm you. Oh, help me, mother. Help me to bear my burden of tears. Oh, my princess, that's what happened. Oh, King Rayburn... You didn't leave the room. You heard what I said. Yes, my dear. I heard. And so did I, Princess Margaret. Thank heaven we did hear. You are the real princess. And she the servant. Father, we should have known. Oh, sire, my mother. Ellen swore she would put a curse on her. She told me she would. I swore by the open sky and my hope of heaven I would not tell her or my mother's life would be the penalty. Then, princess... My life will pay first. Michael, may I come in? There is Ellen now. Conceal yourself behind this curtain for a moment, Princess. I don't want her to see you at first. Here, Princess, quickly. Quickly. Come in, Margaret. Good evening, Father. Ah, Michael, I missed you at tea. I'm glad you came, Princess Margaret. Why do you both look so gloomy? Anything wrong, my husband? Princess Margaret, I want to ask your advice. What is it? We have just heard of a situation where a woman assumed the identity of a princess, married the prince, and turned the real princess into a servant. How shocking! Isn't it? Tell us, Margaret, uh, what would you do to such an evil woman? I think that such an evil person should be thoroughly punished. 
he should be banished from the kingdom forever. Very well, my lady. You have pronounced your own doom. What are you saying? Come out, Princess Margaret. You have nothing to fear. Oh, you, you demon. What has she told you? It isn't true. Isn't it? Then why are you so pale? Yes, sire. Take this woman out of my sight. She is to be banished from my kingdom forever. With the greatest of pleasure, your majesty. No, no, don't do that. I didn't do it. She lied. She lied. No. And now, princess, this false marriage will be annulled immediately. Will you then do me the honor to become my wife as it was planned for us in the beginning? Prince Michael, you are just as my mother said you would be. I will be happy to be your wife. Bless you, my dearest children, and may you live happily ever after. Let's pretend. Yeah. Yep. There's the record ending. There right are there. wicked women, wicked women, and they uh, are jealous of the young women. And uh, he, she, did an identity theft. Yeah. And why is it? This is the third time I've been on this show, and two of mm-hmm. the three appearances on this show, I get sick bastards killing horses. Oh yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that no, is. No, you didn't know. That's a trigger for you too. That's upsetting. <laughs> trigger. You trigger. Oh, trigger. <laughs> Roy Rogers. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to double entendre that, but I did. Oh, it's it's not a it, it's not oh. a trigger for me. It's it's just it's just offensive. So I remember how you told me like. Horses are like big dogs. They're not real smart, but they're nice. They're well, no horses are horses are. It depends on the horse. Horses are like dogs. I mean, some dogs are extremely smart, and some dogs are yeah. pretty dumb. You know, not we had so a couple. You know, uh, a couple really bright horses, and uh, you know, when I was yeah. a kid, and a couple dopey ones. But you know, we we, we uh, my parents and I don't know if I ever told anybody this, but my parents rescued a couple um, retired polo horses uh, from oh. from going to you know live on the you know figurative farm being made into glue, being made into glue or whatever sick thing they did to them. Uh, but yeah, so you know we we, we had a total of uh, three horses and a pony um, at once. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, uh, but you know, it, it's difficult, it, you know, I, I mean, you, you get a real emotional bonds with, with horses and they're, I mean, they're so, so emotive and, and, and have mm-hmm. such individual personalities. But I, I kept thinking they were calling that horse Salada, like Salada tea. That's Salada tea. I think it was Falada is what it was. So. Yeah, it is it is disturbing that horses get killed, but you know, she wasn't in a position of power. She was the ingenue, the uh young woman who was being you know, the dazzling young ingenue. Um but yeah, yeah so the was... the goose girl basically, she she just got relegated to goose duty. Yeah, and Yeah. 
And so I'm assuming had to clean up goose duty. <laughs> it's they, true. And those geese were fed cream of wheat. Lots of cream of wheat. So much cream of wheat. Feed your geese some cream of wheat. Um, They'll have it every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, my that's God. just another story about uh, the the princess. I, I don't know how the, the specks of blood on the handkerchief was supposed to magically keep her safe. Uh, it was like a talisman, and, you know, some kind of little yeah. spell. You know. Yeah. A, a, um, Something. An enchantment. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's just like I don't know. You know, the, the blood is is powerful in all kinds of different forms of magics and and bonds and things like that. Like blood brothers and you know, um, true, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I I you know that was pretty decent. You know, I apologize to everybody for Glad you liked such it. It a, a nice low story. The low volume of the audio. Uh, I I went through and did edits uh, a lot of our audio for tonight. Uh, very quickly before the show, so but that was one I missed. Um, but yeah, Fox fires with you. She didn't understand the handkerchief thing either. Fox fires said the same thing. She didn't understand the handkerchief either. Did I lose you, Susan? Restarting. Okay, I can hear you. I know. Okay, oh... Oh no! Now she's gone. So, uh, a anyway, um, hey, I got something special for everybody since Suze is out. Uh, I'm gonna tease. Um, it is official. The official house band of uh, it came from Cleveland is the one and only Kill the Hippies, my good friend Matt and Melissa's uh, band, and uh, the, of which I used to be in. And um, all of the music on our show for the foreseeable future will be performed by Kill the Hippies, and special treat, I loaded up one of their songs in case just such a scenario happened where I had to take the con take control of Susan's internet pooped out, and this is one of their songs called Fernando from a couple of years ago. Here you go.
There you go. Fernando by Kill the Hippies. Very nice. Very nice. Bought you some time there, boss. Um, do you uh, do you need a Thanks. minute? Thanks. I don't know. My computer just shut down. So I turned it back off and turned it on again. Okay. Have you tried good. turning it on again and turning it off again? That's what I did. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> um, the best I can do, hon. No, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, the um, uh, I thought I I might have had that um, because I have the I have a whole bunch of uh, stuff from what you call it from uh, the it crowd. You're tearing me apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would it hurt to smile? Don't you realize what difference that would make? Hey. Come on, let's see a smile now. Come on. Um, but yeah, so, uh, anyway. Anyway. I do have a lot of clips from that. I think roughly, uh, A profit so far this year of 1,800 billion billion. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, do you want to, you want me to go to the Green News Report? Real quick, uh, we'll yeah, it's ready. Uh, fairies are into green news well, and and conservation, so we we enjoy keeping you up to date on the green news report. All right, we'll be right. Shoot, I was gonna play a, a station ID and I'm lost. There it is. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and you're listening to Radio for Humans. Has anybody told you how good-looking you are lately? Well, they should. Oh, my good gracious me! Look at that! Radioforhumans.com No fooling. It's Thursday, April 1, 2021. It's a once-in-a-generation investment in America. Unlike anything we've seen or done... Since we built the interstate highway system and the space race decades ago. In fact, it's the largest American jobs investment since World War II. Green News Report special coverage. President Biden unveils sweeping American jobs plan to rebuild the nation's infrastructure and take on the climate crisis. That special coverage straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Democrats want to sell this a $3 trillion infrastructure uh, plan, which includes energy efficiency in buildings, 5G, uh, rural broadband, retraining of workers, lots of stuff, roads, bridges, ports, rail lines, redoing the electrical grid, vehicle charging stations. It sounds very ambitious considering the last guy couldn't build a wall. <laughs> this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, at long last, at long last, finally, an infrastructure bill that you can be excited about. <laughs> oh, definitely. President calm Joe down, calm down there. <laughs> President Joe Biden unveiled a sweeping infrastructure jobs plan in a speech in Pittsburgh on Wednesday. His American jobs plan proposes spending $2 trillion over eight years to rebuild America's crumbling infrastructure, part of his Build Back Better pledge, a long list of projects that economists project would create millions of jobs in the short run and strengthen American global competitiveness in the long run. It would also begin 
to address accelerating climate impacts that already are costing Americans billions in damages every year and set the nation on the path to a net zero emissions economy by 2050. It is truly huge with a 25-page White House fact sheet, but here's a broad overview. It would rebuild and update America's decaying physical infrastructure, repairing roads, bridges, ports, airports, railways, highways, schools, water systems, flood controls, and more with a focus on climate resilience, modernize the electric power grid, and set a national clean electricity standard to phase out fossil fuels and reach 100% carbon-free electricity by 2035, replace all lead water service lines. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, and ensure all Americans have access to affordable broadband internet service. It would transform the nation's largest source of greenhouse gas emissions, our transportation system, away from fossil fuels by boosting domestic electric vehicle manufacturing, adoption, and investing in a national electric vehicle charging network by 2030. Use the power of the government purse to revive U.S. manufacturing and domestic supply chains by electrifying the entire federal vehicle fleet and invest in advanced clean energy research and development to boost U.S. global competitiveness and productivity and counter China's moves to dominate the global clean tech market. That sounds like a lot. It is. It would also employ American workers to plug abandoned oil and gas wells and coal mines and ensure a just transition for fossil fuel communities. It would pay farmers to sequester carbon and restore soils, establish a civilian climate corps to employ people to restore landscapes and ecosystem services, clean up pollution, and prepare communities for resilience against coming global warming impacts. Biden would fund this infrastructure jobs plan by increasing taxes on corporations. Uh-oh. Economists project the proposal will create millions of good-paying jobs across the country and would reduce the national debt. Well, that's fine, but you're going to raise taxes on corporations? Well, now it heads to the meat grinder of Congress. Uh-oh. Biden said he welcomes Republican input, but Republicans have signaled they plan to block it as too expensive. Of course. But economists say that in general, every $1 spent on public investments like this returns roughly $2 in economic benefits. Now, scientists are warning ever more urgently that time is running out for us to act with the speed and scope necessary to curtail the worst consequences of man-made climate change. Biden's proposal establishes the groundwork for equitably decarbonizing the U.S. economy by 2050, a multi-generational challenge. Biden closed his speech in Pittsburgh with this. Imagine what we can do. Imagine knowing that you're handing your children and grandchildren a country that will lead the world in producing clean energy technology and will need to address one of the biggest threats of our time. That's what we'll do. If we act now, in 50 years, people are going to look back and say, this was the moment that America won the future. Imagine that. Now all we have to do is get the progressive Democrats who say this is not nearly enough and the conservative Democrats who say this is too expensive and completely ignore the Republicans because they're not going to go along with anything. Other than that, get this through Congress, get this through the filibuster in the Senate, and everything will work out just fine. Easy peasy. For much more on that story and all of them that we couldn't cover today because of it, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. We are the future.
Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast, and you are listening to Radio for Humans, because seriously, do spiders have radio? He's not in his room. He's supposed to be in his room. Why is he out of his room? Do spiders have radio? Uh, do they? I don't know, but it would be adorable to watch watch him tune the dial. Oh, that would be cute. So, Jiminy Jones, look, <laughs> the nature of the thing that is happening has changed slightly. Slight. <laughs> I promise no fart clips, so now I'm just going to do it crowd clips tonight. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) That's just going to squeak out of your sound box. Squeak. Yeah. Squeak. Uh, I'd rather lick a tramp. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so shall we uh, try and uh, listen to, um, we, we have, uh, let me see which ones are relatively short. How about the, the Wolf Kids? Yeah, I've wanted to know what the Wolf Kids is all about. What's the Wolf Kids all about? I think so they're, curious. they're um, half goat, half wolf. Okay. I think they're... <laughs> They're uh, wolf kids. They're raised by wolves, and then they run into the people in the countryside, and they're they're howling at the moon, and it's adorable. They won't wear shoes, and uh, they're raised by wolves. They're wolf kids. All right, let's find out. There you go. I like that one. This is a litter box recording. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Today's reading by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org. The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids by the Brothers Grimm There was once upon a time an old goat who had seven little kids and loved them with all the love of a mother for her children. One day she wanted to go into the forest and fetch some food, so she called all seven to her, and said, "'Dear children, I have to go into the forest. Be on your guard against the wolf. If he comes in, he will devour you all, skin, hair, and everything. The wretch often disguises himself, but you will know him at once by his rough voice and his black feet.' The kids said, "'Dear mother, we will take good care of ourselves. "'You may go away without any anxiety.' "'Then the old one bleated, and went on her way with an easy mind. "'It was not long before someone knocked at the house door and called, "'Open the door, dear children. "'Your mother is here, and has brought something back with her for each of you.' "'But the little kids knew that it was the wolf, by the rough voice. "'We will not open the door.' cried they. You are not our mother. She has a soft, pleasant voice, but your voice is rough. You are the wolf. Then the wolf went away to a shopkeeper, and bought himself a great lump of chalk, ate this, and made his voice soft with it. Then he came back, 
knocked at the door of the house and called, "'Open the door, dear children. Your mother is here, and has brought something back with her for each of you.' But the wolf had laid his black paws against the window, and the children saw them and cried, "'We will not open the door. Our mother has not black feet like you. You are the wolf.' Then the wolf ran to a baker and said, "'I have hurt my feet. Rub some dough over them for me.' And when the baker had rubbed his feet over, he ran to the miller and said, "'Strew some white meal over my feet for me.' The miller thought to himself, "'The wolf wants to deceive someone,' and refused. But the wolf said, "'If you will not do it, I will devour you.' Then the miller was afraid, and made his paws white for him. Truly, this is the way of mankind.' So now the wretch went for the third time to the house door, knocked at it, and said, "'Open the door for me, children. Your dear little mother has come home, and has brought every one of you something back from the forest with her.' The little kids cried, "'First show us your paws, that we may know if you are our dear mother.' Then he put his paws in through the window, and when the kids saw that they were white, they believed that all he said was true." and opened the door. But who should come in but the wolf? They were terrified, and wanted to hide themselves. One sprang under the table, the second into the bed, the third into the stove, the fourth into the kitchen, the fifth into the cupboard, the sixth under the washing-bowl, and the seventh into the clock-case. But the wolf found them all, and used no great ceremony, One after the other he swallowed them down his throat. The youngest, who was in the clock-case, was the only one he did not find. When the wolf had satisfied his appetite, he took himself off, laid himself down under a tree in the green meadow outside, and began to sleep. Soon afterwards the old goat came home again from the forest. Ah, what a sight she saw there! The house-door stood wide open— The table, chairs, and benches were thrown down. The washing-bowl lay broken to pieces, and the quilts and pillows were pulled off the bed. She sought her children, but they were nowhere to be found. She called them, one after another, by name, but no one answered. At last, when she came to the youngest, a soft voice cried, "'Dear mother, I am in the clock-case.' She took the kid out, and it told her that the wolf had come and had eaten all the others." Then you may imagine how she wept over her poor children. At length, in her grief, she went out, and the youngest kid ran with her. When they came to the meadow, there lay the wolf by the tree, and snored so loud that the branches shook. She looked at him on every side, and saw that something was moving and struggling in his gorged belly. "'Ah, heavens!' she said. Is it possible that my poor children, whom he has swallowed down for his supper, can still be alive? Then the kid had to run home and fetch scissors, and a needle and thread, and the goat cut open the monster's stomach, and hardly had she made one cut, than one little kid thrust its head out, and when she had cut farther, all six sprang out, one after another, and were all still alive, and had suffered no injury whatever." for in his greediness the monster had swallowed them down whole. What rejoicing there was! They embraced their dear mother, and jumped like a tailor at his wedding. 
The mother, however, said, "'Now go and look for some big stones, "'and we will fill the wicked beast's stomach with them "'while he is still asleep.' "'Then the seven kids dragged the stones thither with all speed, "'and put as many of them into this stomach as they could get in, "'and the mother sewed him up again in the greatest haste, "'so that he was not aware of anything, and never once stirred.' When the wolf at length had had his fill of sleep, he got on his legs, and as the stones in his stomach made him very thirsty, he wanted to go to a well to drink. But when he began to walk and to move about, the stones in his stomach knocked against each other and rattled. Then cried he, "'What rumbles and tumbles against my poor bones? I thought twas six kids, but it feels like big stones.' And when he got to the well, and stooped over the water to drink, the heavy stones made him fall in, and he drowned miserably. When the seven kids saw that, they came running to the spot, and cried aloud, "'The wolf is dead! The wolf is dead!' and danced for joy round about the well with their mother. The End Recorded on November 21, 2005, in Oceanside, California. <laughs> oh, Oceanside. Okay. There he was. Can I make that an, big stone in the back of that truck? Go ahead. What? A quick observation. Um, uh, th th that you um that that wolf would have died if they just would have cut its stomach open. <laughs> also, yeah, they do that all the time in Grimm. Yeah. I mean, they do. I mean, they're, they're, they're really like, taking some some liberties with. Um, you know, uh, uh, of how people live and die. Like, you know, oh, the yeah. wolf ate my oh, kids, yeah. but they're still running around in his stomach playing, you know, hacky sack. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what they did to Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb just lasted forever. He was just screaming out of the bottom of the wolf's stomach, hey, I'm in here. And they were like, what, what, why Why is yeah. his stomach talking to him? Sure, just, you know, like, it's just like, like Jonah wasn't dissolved by stomach exactly. acids. <laughs> it's, it doesn't even make sense, but it, it apparently, yeah, it's it, you can live in the stomach of another animal. Just Yeah, you know, you can, you can just move in, you know, <sighs> set up some furniture, you know, get yourself a nice dab yep. port and uh, an ottoman and, uh, you know, put a grandfather clock in there. <laughs> The Wi-Fi may not be good, though, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's the whole strange thing about fairy tales, you know. So here's and what we're going to do. Uh, my kids are in there. I'm going to cut open the wolf's stomach, uh, you know, the wolf's stomach. The kids yeah. are going to come out. They're going to be fine. And then, hey, hey, kids, now that you're not di totally digested, only half digested, go get me some big-ass rocks. And then I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna stuff the while the wolf is still asleep because you know he definitely wouldn't wake up from being sliced open with no anesthetic. Um, I want yeah. you to go get some rocks. And while he's lying yep. here bleeding to death, uh, and all of his entrails are laying out on the ground, I want you to get some rocks. We're gonna get that in there, and then I need a needle and thread. Uh, you know, I guess needle uh, and thread, no sure, hygienic. You know, yeah. maybe. Uh, you know, maybe uh, you know uh, some some high test fishing line will hold those stones in his stomach. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <sighs> that's funny. That's uh, that's the funniest thing about these things is like, yep. You know, you know, it's it's like, uh, all right, okay, you you lost me there, but yeah, that was I, I was uh, you know. I was upset. It's folksy. That... It's folksy. It's not really educational. Yeah. It's 
folksy. It's not really medical. You know, I, I like that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fox- Red Riding Hood. Foxfire says Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Grandma was just sitting there in the stomach in the in the good news version in the nice version they're like oh they just cut grandma open out of this wolf's stomach and sure yeah just, she was know, fine yeah you know what the wolf says uh, after you cut open a stomach you're tearing me apart yeah um <laughs> and you you really are you really are <laughs> uh well uh where shall we uh, prepare for the next hour and take a take a break Oh, Shirley. Let's take a break. All right. Don't call me Shirley. I've been working hard. All right. Uh, So uh, let me see. What do we have here for uh, for a break? Um, I don't know. You you do. I'm I'm not used to the format. You want another story or what? Well, no. We're just kind of. It's a little bit, you know, laid back. Like we do another story, or you know, I don't do top of the hour. um, Gotcha commercials but i do have some promos in white there uh yeah okay uh so uh, i tell you what um yeah we'll go ahead and play promo wow this is the most beautiful enchanted forest (laughs) well hello Fair lass, I am a unicorn. Do you like our enchanted forest? Oh, gosh, yes. It's so beautiful and enchanted. (laughs) Thank you, lass. We like it too, yes. If you want to help keep it enchanting, you could help with the upkeep. A few dollars towards fairy lights for fairy nights on Radio for Human helps the fairy grow. Well, I can do that. How do I do it, though, gentle unicorn? Oh, sweet lass, you just go to patreon.com slash fairylights and give what you can. A little bit of magic makes a fairy smile. I'm on my way, unicorn. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and you're listening to Radio for Humans. Has anybody told you how good-looking you are lately? Well, they should. Oh my good gracious me, look at that! Radioforhumans.com So, Ken, do I need to tell you about Kiddo? You know who Kiddo is? Uh, maybe after the intro. Okay. Fairy lights for fairy nights. It's time for your bedtime story. (laughs) Brought to you by me, the Suze. Also brought to you by me, Zelda. Put your PJs on and sit down for a soothing bedtime story. It's not just the devil in the details. What else is lurking? Fairy lights for fairy nights. Kiddo is the uh, three-headed sea serpent that often enjoys being on land, but 
He has little fins. And he swims about. And he goes on different... He, he goes to different places and meets different people. And interacts with things. And, uh... And here cute. he is meeting he's, his favorite celebrity. The Yellow Submarine. I think it is the Yellow Submarine. I don't need color to know. I think that's the Yellow Submarine. So that's great. And I'm assuming this gets saved for show art. I I try to save it for show art. I think I have permission. I have to ask Foxfire for a little permission. Well, it's saved Kiddo just in case. Kiddo lives in the Yellow Submarine. Now, those are great mm -hmm. drawings. Those are great drawings. I, I am familiar with them. When, They're awesome. When she said, uh, are we ready for the kiddo drop? I thought there was an actual audio drop. That's what I mean. But she just meant drop the picture into the chat. So now I get it. Yeah. So Well, yeah. maybe maybe we'll make, make an audio drop that says, this, this story is kiddo approved. Yeah. Maybe that'll be our kiddo drop. Something like that. One, each of his heads could have a different voice. Ah, oh, yeah. Kiddo so, approved. But yes, He's... and uh, she says, yep, we have permission to use it for the show art. Nice. Thank you. That's awesome. He's those so are, cute. Those are, I, but yeah, I love all the pictures. I've seen them before, uh, Foxfire. They're yeah. great. So yeah. I was just, gonna, like I said, I was confused when when I hear drop, I, I, th I thought it was, you know, different kind of drop. I'm thinking in audio terms. But no, that's lovely. I and love those of you listening to the podcast um, on verbal, uh, we do have a Discord chat for uh, Radio for Humans, Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights, um, where the picture is dropped. But um, you know, if you if you want to see in real time and interact with us live then that's fine every too. Thursday, live. every Tuesday yeah, and Thursday from seven to nine p.m. Yeah. So, so. Uh, do you mind if I uh, do my do my plug for uh, tomorrow night? Well, uh, yeah. Feel free. Feel free. So yeah, we're tomorrow, excited tomorrow. about new new uh, content. Yeah. So tomorrow night, uh, my brand new show, uh, our brand new show, it came from Cleveland, uh, will be premiering at seven from seven to ten p.m. tomorrow Eastern tomorrow. Right here on Radio for Humans, and of course, me and Joe Santorsa and Miles and Michelle Lagan are going to be doing um, uh, some very fun topical stuff uh, regarding uh, pop culture. A lot of golden age of television is where we're landing, and in, in horror films and history and stuff like that. Some more history from Miles, um, but uh, Joe and I love talking about old TV shows, and uh, we we like. You know, I've been watching me TV a lot. I want to get you know hat tip once again to living in Long Island for, you know, because he he'd always talk about me TV, and I'm like nah, now I can't turn it off. Um, glad I'm not boring you. <laughs> what? I thought I heard you yawn. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. No, yeah. that was kiddo. Um, was kiddo, one of his oh, heads was oh, tired. Oh, I see. I see. So yeah, he's right here. So anyway, um, yeah, so tomorrow night, uh, basically what we're doing is we are focusing on certain celebrities uh, that, you know, some living, mostly not, um, you know, based on like their birthdays. So tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about uh, Jack Webb, uh, uh, Buddy Ebsen, um, 
and uh, a bunch of other people, Alec Guinness uh, and Nathaniel Taylor, who was famous for playing Rollo on Sanford and Son. Very excited because we're going to do um, a segment where we play a fair amount of audio from a couple different uh, television series. Tomorrow night, we're going to be featuring audio from Dragnet and Sanford and Son. And it's going to the it's going to be lovingly referred to as a segment called TV Gone to Pot, where we focus on marijuana episodes of TV shows and generally try and find a a, a good compare and contrast. Like, you know, Dragnet, you know, it's like as bad as heroin, and and Sanford and Son, it's like, hey, well, l- let me see, what do they what do they call it on uh, on Sanford and Son? I think I have the clip right here. Parsley, wild parsley. Yeah, thank you, Grady. Uh, but th- so, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about the episodes and we'll be sharing a lot of little trivia and stuff like that. Um, and of course, uh, we'll be talking, uh, uh, inspired by Foxfire. Actually, she said a while back, the Twilight Zone is my jam. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be, uh, our parting shots on every show is going to be reviewing the Twilight Zone episode that aired, uh, on, uh, you know, 61 years ago on the same, uh, on, uh, 61 years ago, Fridays, because you know, it used to be on on Fridays, and you know, um, and we're gonna have to, you know, because we're jumping in uh, in the beginning of season one, or, or in the, like the almost halfway through uh, season one, so we'll, you know, we'll have to backtrack and and review, uh, w- because you know, television they take seasonal breaks and stuff like that, and do reruns and everything, so we're gonna have to, you know, get creative with how we do it, but it's gonna be fun. And uh, so tomorrow night we'll be talking about Twilight Zone, um, the uh, episode Execution from 1960. Uh, And Michelle, of course, is going to have a lot of uh, uh, horror trivia information, stuff like that. I love talking horror movies with Michelle. Uh, She's going to be focusing on Lon Chaney tomorrow, who's uh, Lon Chaney uh, Sr., was born um, April 1st, 1883. Uh, And, you know, there are other honorable mentions we'll talk about from April 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whatnot. Um, You know, even some birthdays from last month. Uh, Some, again, some living celebrities, some some deceased, but it's going to be loads of fun. Miles has a really good war story he wants to talk about. And, again, I have the honor of having all of the music on... It came from Cleveland being performed, written, performed, and and curated to a certain degree by Kill the Hippies. Um, and what's really special is I talked to my good buddy Mort from Kill the Hippies, and then he gave me, he curated a playlist for a break uh, tomorrow. So basically, our first break on the show will be a big block of their songs, because their songs can range, they, they have songs like that are 30 seconds long to you know, five minutes long, but a lot of songs that clock in, you know, around two minutes, uh, you know, uh, or three minutes and stuff like that. So it's a uh, very, very, um, uh, exciting, uh, to talk about all this fun stuff. And, um, you know, and, uh, I don't know if I told you this, Susan, um, mm. I just booked us a special guest for tomorrow night. What? I know. How exciting is that? Yeah, I know. Donald Trump Jr. Exactly. is going to be on with us. I'm so oh, excited. Oh, shush up. You wouldn't April allow that. Falls. Oh. <laughs> uh, He's begging to get on there, and we're like, no. 
No, bad I, man. I, yeah, d- d- they're a bad man. Bad, wa- bad. I got, I, I got something for him if he wants to come on our show. So long, sucker. Yeah. There uh, you go. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I had to get that in there. So yeah. Uh, please tune in tomorrow. Tell your pals. Uh, politics. Uh, there will be no politics on our show. Um, and it's going to be just a whole lot of fun. I've been working really hard on this, and I'm put trying to put together a real top notch program for you as well as miles michelle and joe they've been working very hard too and i think we're really 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 kind of on to something and you know it might not make sense exactly how i'm talking about it right now but it's gonna come together very very well and um yeah and when i say the music was done by kill the hippies i'm saying the intro music the outro music the uh, going to break music and stuff like that because they've done a lot of really great instrumental stuff on the uh, their Halloween albums that they make that I've been part of with like Hallabaloo and Werewolves Wedding and stuff, um, they they do like fake movie soundtrack things and they're really good and very John Carpenter kind of stuff or um, they sound like a lot of the Italian horror horror films, uh, Mario Bava kind of stuff. Uh, uh, you know, so, so it's very cool. Very cool. But anyway, yeah, it's going to be a blast tomorrow. And, um, uh, and the robots will be returning too as a, a segment. So if you have, I need you guys to set, submit questions to the robots that they can answer for you. And, uh, if you want, I can jot some down now, or, uh, we can, uh, you can message me on Facebook Either way, uh, or private message me here on Discord as well if you don't want your question to be spoiled until the robots can answer it. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So thank you, Suze, for letting me uh, plug that. Oh, yeah. Plug away. Why were the robots programmed to feel plain? Why? Why? Um, Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we've got quite a few other things here to play. Um, we have, uh, the, uh, if you want to do something short, well, we could try one of the, the Jewish, uh, fairy tales or folklore things. Yeah. There's, There's uh, some new ones. The star child, uh, sounded fun. Yeah. I was, I have no idea what that's about. I mean, it's, it's probably not about David Bowie, probably not influenced by David Bowie. Uh, you probably sure it's, not. It's about Paul Stanley. Maybe it's about Saul Stanley. Paul yeah. Stanley is Jewish, so it could be. Oh my gosh! Okay, let's go. So, all right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> the Star Child. Chapter six of Jewish Fairy Tales and Legends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jewish Fairy Tales and Legends by Gertrude Landa. Chapter six. The Star Child When Abraham was born, his father, Terah, who was one of the chief officers of King Nimrod, gave a banquet to a large number of his friends. He entertained them most sumptuously, and the merriest of the guests was the chief of the king's magicians. He was an old man, exceedingly fond of wine, and he drank deeply. The feast lasted throughout the night, and the gray dawn of early morning appeared in the sky, before Terra's friends thought of rising from the table. Suddenly the old magician jumped to his feet. See, he cried excitedly, 
pointing through the open door to the sky. See yon bright star in the east. It flashes across the heavens. The others looked, but said they could see nothing. Fools! shouted the old man. Ye may not see, but I do. I, the wisest of the king's magicians and astrologers, tell you it is an omen. See how the brilliant star darts across the sky. It has swallowed a smaller star, and another, even a third, yet a fourth. It is an omen, I say, a portent that bodes ill. And moreover, he added, growing still more excited, it is an omen connected with the birth of the little son of Terra. Nonsense, cried Terra. Talk not to me of nonsense, said the magician sternly. I must hasten to inform the king. Hurriedly he left the house of Terra, followed by the other magicians, some of whom now said they also had seen a star swallow four others. They did not think it wise to contradict their chief, although he had drunk a great deal of wine and could not walk steadily. King Nimrod was awakened from his sleep, and his magicians appeared before him. O oh, king, live forever, said the chief by way of a salute. Grave indeed is the news that has led us to disturb thee in thy slumbers. This night a son has been born unto thy officer, Terra, and with the coming of the dawn a warning has appeared to us in the skies. I, the chief of thy magicians, did observe a brilliant star rise in the east and dart across the heavens and swallow four smaller stars. We observed it too, said the other magicians. And what means this? inquired the king. It means, said the chief magician mysteriously, that this star-child will destroy other children, that his descendants will conquer thine. Take warning. Purchase this child from thy officer, Terra, and slay it, so that it may not grow up a danger to thee. Thy advice pleases me said the cruel king. In vain Terra protested. King Nimrod would not disregard the warning of his magicians, but he consented to give Terra three days in which to deliver up the child. Sad at heart, Terra returned home, and on the second day told his wife the terrible news. We must not allow our little son Abraham to be slain, she said, if he is to become great, he must live. I have a plan. King Nimrod will not be satisfied unless a child is slain. Therefore, take thou the child of a slave to him, and tell him it is Abraham. He will not know the difference. And so that the trick shall not be discovered, take our child away and hide it for a time. Terra thought this an excellent idea, and he carried it out. The sick child of a slave, which was born only a few hours before Abraham, was taken to King Nimrod, who killed it with his own hands, and Terah's little boy was secretly carried by his nurse to a cave in a forest. There, 
Abraham was carefully nurtured and brought up. From time to time, Abraham was visited by his father and mother, and not until he was ten years old did they think it safe to bring him from the cave in the forest to their home. Even then they deemed it best to be careful. Their elder son, Haran, was a maker of idols, and Abraham became his helper, without Haran being told it was his brother. Abraham, the star child, was a strange little boy. He did not believe in the idols. I worship the sun by day and the moon and the stars by night, he said to Haran. There are times when you cannot see the sun by day, nor the moon and stars by night, said Haran, but you can always have your idol with you. This troubled little Abraham for a while, but one day he came running to his brother and said, I have made a discovery. I shall no longer worship the sun, nor the moon, nor the stars. There must be some mighty power behind them that orders them to shine the sun by day, and the moon and stars by night. That great power shall be my God. Abraham asked all sorts of queer questions of his father. Who made the sun and the moon and the stars? he asked. I know not, replied Terah. I have asked all your idols, your gods, and they answer not, said Abraham. They cannot speak said Terah. Then why do you pray to them and worship them? persisted the boy. Terah did not answer. Abraham asked his mother, but she could only tell him that the gods who created everything were with them in the house. But Haran made those silly things of wood and clay, said Abraham, and at last they refused to answer his awkward questions. Mostly, he stood at the door of the house, gazing at the sky, as if trying to read the secrets behind the sun and stars. "'Thou shouldst have been placed with an astrologer,' said Haram to him one day. "'Thou art a child of the stars.' Terah heard this, and was angry with Haran, for he feared that the secret of the child's birth might be betrayed." I know not why my father keeps thee here, said Haran afterward to Abraham. Thou art becoming lazy. I have worked enough this day, and I will go out to the woods to watch the hunting. Stay thou here. Perchance a purchaser may come. Be heedful, and obtain good payments for the idols. Not long after Haran left, an old man entered the shop and said, he wished to buy an idol. I dropped my idol on the ground yesterday and it broke, he said. I must have a stronger one. Certainly thou must have a god so strong that naught can break it, answered Abraham. Tell me, how old art thou? Full sixty years, boy, replied the man. And yet thou hast not reached years of wisdom said Abraham, See how easy it is to break thy gods. And he took a stick and smashed one of the idols with a single blow. The old man fled from the shop 
horrified. Next, a woman entered. I am too poor to have an idol of my own, she said. Therefore I have brought a little food as an offering to one of the many gods here. Offer it to any idol that pleases thee, said Abraham with a laugh. The woman placed it before the smallest idol. This idol is small and surly, said the boy. It does not accept thy offering. And he raised his stick and smashed it. Try a bigger idol with thy offering, he said. And the woman did so. Thou also hast no manners, said Abraham, addressing the god. Eat, or I shall smash thee to pieces. The idol, of course, did not eat, and so Abraham broke it, and the woman rushed out into the street in great alarm. Abraham tried all the idols in turn with the food, and as each was unable to eat, he broke them all, except the largest. Before this idol, which was as tall as a man, he paused, then, laughing loudly, he placed the stick, which he had used, in the idol's hand. By this time, a crowd, attracted by the cries of the old man and the woman, had gathered at the door. "'What hast thou done?' they demanded angrily. "'I? Nothing,' answered Abraham. "'See, the largest idol holds in its hand a big stick. It seems to me that he has been angry.' and has killed all the others. Ask him why he did this. The people stood bewildered until Terah and Haran returned. What is the meaning of this? They asked, pointing to the broken idols. Oh, such fun, replied Abraham. There has been a fight here. A woman brought a food offering to the gods, and they quarreled because they all wanted it. So the big fellow here got angry, and taking up the stick, which you see, he still holds. He beat the others and smashed them to bits. Absurd, cried Haran. The idols cannot do these things. Ask the big fellow to strike me if I have told lies, returned Abraham. Seize your nonsense, commanded his father. What funny gods you are said Abraham, musingly, standing before the big idol. Do you think he will hit me if I smack his face? Before anybody could stop him, he smacked the idol's face, and then knocked off its head with the stick. Some of the people ran off to the palace, and soon came an order from King Nimrod that the idol-breaker should be brought before him. Abraham, Haran, and Terah were seized by the guards and marched off to the palace. Which of you broke the idols? asked the king angrily. I did, because they were rude and would not accept the offering, said Abraham. How can they be gods if they have no sense? Not altogether a foolish remark, said Nimrod, smiling. If idols please thee not, then worship fire which has the power to consume. Fire itself can be quenched by water, replied Abraham. Then worship water, 
returned Nimrod. But water is absorbed by the clouds, said the boy. And clouds are blown by the wind, said Nimrod. Man can withstand the force of wind, said Abraham. So he will talk all day long, this child of the stars, exclaimed Haran. Child of the stars, said the chief magician. Now I understand, O oh, king, this must be no other than the child of Terah, against whom at his birth we warned your majesty. The message of the stars has come true. He has dared to destroy our gods. Soon he will destroy us. Is this in truth the child of the stars? asked Nimrod of Terah, but the latter did not answer. It is in truth, your majesty, said Haran. I have long suspected it. Then why didst thou not inform me? exclaimed the king in a rage. I will test this star child with the power of my god, fire. And thou, Haran, for thy neglect, must also suffer. Guards, let them be bound and cast into the furnace, to which I pray daily. Terah, thou art their father. I can forgive thee. Thou wilt suffer sufficiently in losing both thy sons to my God. The fire was made so hot that the men who endeavored to cast Abraham and Haran into the flames were caught and burned to death. Twelve men in all perished before Terah's sons were thrown into the furnace. Haran was burnt to ashes at once. But to the surprise of the vast crowd that stood at a safe distance, Abraham walked unharmed into flames, the fetters which bound him having been consumed. When King Nimrod saw this, he trembled. Come forth, boy, he cried to Abraham, and I will pardon thee. Bid your men take me out, he answered. All who approached the terrific fire, however, were burned to death. And at last, when Nimrod said he would bow down before Abraham's God, the boy came forth unharmed. All the people bowed down before the boy, who told them to rise, saying, Worship not me, but the true God, who dwells in heaven beyond the sun and the stars, and whose glory is everywhere. King Nimrod loaded the boy with presents and bade him return home in peace. End of chapter 6 You trying to and convert me? That. Hmm? Trying to convert me. Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> know we were going to go into the Bible here. I, I was noticing, and I am familiar with a lot of these stories from my childhood and, and my uh, teenage years that um, they kill the firstborn a lot for a superstition or they kill the firstborn because he's a threat to the religious higher hierarchy or the king which it's is disturbing it's what? I'm sorry I thought you were done talking that's okay they they I said they they kill the the babies. Yeah. But um you know the Baby fairies butchers. just steal the babies and 
and uh, they negotiate and trick people into giving them the babies. But they don't kill them once they get them. So I, I think there's a bigger value of life. You know? Yeah, that's... Um... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I thought this was fun, you know, to, to try and find some different kinds of stuff, but this is definitely stuff that, you know, some old testamenty kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I'm glad I finally heard the story, the origin story of Paul Stanley from Kiss. Maybe, maybe that's the story that he, the idea of being the star child. Yeah. Yeah. The, and all those idols. But he's so. not one of the first, uh children to be who's who the is being foretold with stars and stars in the east abraham jesus you know mm -hmm. stars in the east yep yeah it's the dog's bollocks it's so. the dog's bollocks yeah well <laughs> kiddo could worship the yellow submarine kiddo could take people's children's and he children's <laughs> children and let them ride on his neck that would be adorable the church of latter-day so. kiddos yeah we we're working on the church of latter-day kiddos but yeah um kids on his neck that would be cute i mean i think he's got a strong enough neck to be a ride at cedar point seventh day um, kiddo vists <laughs> oh what else do we have um you don't have the story about the stork, do you? Or the cat and the dog? Uh, or the stork and the fox? The, the stork and the fox, I kind of want. Um, well, here, I you, since uh, um, uh, Livin said that uh, Mel Brooks should have read these, so in, in lieu of that, yeah. I, I, I have this to offer you. Hear me! Oh, hear me! Oh, pay <laughs> heed! The Lord, the Lord Jehovah has given unto you these 15 Oi. 10 10 commandments ah. for all to obey yeah <laughs> um I, yeah the but the other the the cat the uh, the quarrel or the quarreling cat and dog is here but that's one of the that's also one of the talmudic ones i believe Oh wow, yes. Yeah, so but I not. have the Grim Golden Goose. Is that what you asked about? Or Yeah, maybe. Maybe but we have we, time for it. We yeah. do have we do have uh the didn't you want to do the Golden Fleece? Sure. The Golden Fleece could be that, good. That I, would be the I'm perfect... not sure how much of a sailing story that is. I don't think it's much of a sea story, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's been a long time since I've... Uh, it might be one of those seafaring ones where they go on a mission to find the Golden Fleece. I, I, we could do the Golden Fleece. It'll. It's the perfect length to take us to the end of the show. And, and it's have a Let's couple Pretend, to talk. isn't it? It is. That's and Yeah. I would, and I know the audio is louder on this one. I fixed this one. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Let's do go. it. Let's do it. Let's pretend. This is the Let's Pretend story of the Golden Fleece. Come one, come all, the big and small. We're here with Let's Pretend. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and wonder why until the very end. The joy of storytelling you always do extend. So give a cheer, because look what's here, another. Hello, pretenders. Hello, Uncle Ken. You know, this time, our story is a legend. 
from Greek mythology. It must be all about gods and goddesses. Yes, and one of those gods was Orpheus, whose magic music launched a ship. So it's my idea that we should get right on to Let's Pretend and travel there by having our own magical music to launch our ship and plow straight through the briny deep. Can I arrange for the magic? Sure, Lance. Swell. One, two, three. Magical harp, play on. Once upon a time, there was a fabulous region beyond the sapphire of the Aegean Sea. Here dwelt the gods and goddesses of their times. Perhaps the best known of all these unusual inhabitants was an ageless centaur named Chiron. Chiron with the massive head and shoulders of a man and the lithe, rippling body of a magnificent white horse. He was unexcelled as a teacher. And sooner or later, all the heroes of their time came to learn from his great wisdom. Our story begins in a mountain cave where a favorite pupil, Prince Jason by name, awaits Chiron's arrival. Chiron! Well, Jason! You are ready to leave me for your great adventure. Yes, Master. But I wanted your final counsel and farewell blessing. Jason, you have been an earnest student. Your father would have been proud of you. Thank you, Master. You are well-versed in all I could teach you. No one can outride you. That I know, for you have learned it on my own broad back. And in addition to your vast knowledge of medicine, you are a master of the sword and spear. Now then... What do you set as your goal? First, Master, I wish to reclaim my father's throne, which the wicked King Peleus stole from him. A long but worthy adventure. I know of only one other more hazardous than that. And that is what, good Chiron? To restore the sacred Golden Fleece to the kingdom of Thessaly. The Golden Fleece. As I recall, it once covered a brave ram who carried two royal children over land and sea to save their lives, but gave his own in the effort. That is right, isn't it? Aye. He carried them to the distant kingdom of Colchis before he fell exhausted. And as he bade, his fleece was turned into gold. And to this day, it is the highest emblem of strength and courage. Tell me, Chiron, to secure it then is such a difficult mission? Only youth would presume to ask that question. Then, good centaur, my master... Perhaps that will be my second task. I am exceedingly proud of you, Jason. And may the gods favor you as I think they will. Now, your blessing, esteemed Sharon. I pray you, stand here at the door of my cave until I am out of sight. I want to remember you as a dear part of my home and my life. Farewell, my son. little lad. I think Jason fears to get his golden sandals wet. <laughs> Perhaps he wishes his master Chiron were here to brave the swollen stream for him. My curiosity is greater than my resentment, good mother. How is it that you know my name? 
and that the centaur Chiron is my teacher. I know many things, Jason. And since you plan to cross the stream, I wish to cross too. So take me on your back. What a mysterious person you are. And these great brown eyes of yours seem to hold the wisdom of the whole world in their depths. So come, all to my back then, and across the stream we'll go. The course you take is a wise one. Watch the uprooted tree there. Oh, curse the thing. What now, Jason? My sandal. It's wedged between the rocks. And I've lost it. <laughs> From this I know the whole story. You go to Iolcus. Your purpose? To bid the wicked King Pelias give up your father's throne. You grow more and more amazing. Your amazement will be nothing compared to that of King Pelias. Just wait until he sees the strong youth with only one golden sandal. Now I will go with you to the court to meet King Thalius. <laughs> well, good mother, you seem to have arrived at the court of King Thalius on a holiday. I did. All faces are turned toward the shore. Citizen, pardon, citizen. Yes, stranger. Tell me, please, why are all the people dressed in holiday attire? And where are they going? Why, young man, and your mother, I presume. Our king, Good Peleus, is about to make a burnt offering to his father, Neptune, king of the sea. <laughs> the mills of the gods, Jason. What do you mean, good mother? Before all his kingdom, you will confront your enemy. Leontie, look. He wears but one sandal. At last, Philip, the one-sandaled man has come. Never mind them, Jason. Inquire as to King Pelias. Where is your king, fellow? There, on the shore, where the smoke rises. Yonder is King Pelias. Approach him, Jason. Your Majesty. Who are you? And how dare you interrupt the ceremony of sacrifice? It was not I, Your Majesty. Your subjects raised this tumult. Because I lost a sandal in the stream, and therefore one foot happens to be bare. You see, it is true, Leontie. <laughs> the king turns white with fear, Jason. Pray, what is your name? My name is Jason, sire. Pupil of the centaur Chiron. Your majesty, it is he. I have heard that Chiron is a wise teacher. Let me discover how much you profited by his teaching. I shall do my best to answer, Your Majesty. The Talking Oak has said there is a youth with one golden sandal who seeks my throne. What would you do, brave Jason, with such a man if he were to appear? If I were king, I would demand that the youth with one golden sandal prove his courage and his right to my throne. I would send him in search of the golden fleece. <laughs> well said, my wise Jason. And since I am the king, I command you at the peril of your life. Bring me the sign of the right of kings. Bring me the golden fleece. I go, your majesty. If I fail, you will not see me again. But if I return with this marvelous emblem, you will then descend from your throne and present me with your crown and dirt. <laughs> I shall keep them safely 
until your return. <laughs> This forest is dark and mysterious. Another step and behold, you stand before the talking oak tree of Dodona. It is indeed majestic. And now I pray you, what is my procedure? <laughs> Address your next questions to the talking oak. Talking oak tree of Dodona. How shall I recover the golden fleece? Build a gallant ship. Summon all the heroes of Greece. Call Orpheus. Hercules. Argus will build it. Good mother, I cannot understand. All the branches are speaking at once. Patience, it will clear. Listen. The talking oak speaks. Hear me, Jason. Go the shipbuilder Argus, build a galley for fifty men. Call Argus, the music of his magic horn will quiet the waves. Appoint Titus, the stargazer, for your helmsman. Hercules, who holds up the sky for your first oarsman. Call your ship the Argo, and your crew the Argonauts. Steer eastward for the kingdom of Colchis. The talking oak tree has spoken. Your adventure begins. My deep gratitude, O oh prophet. Is that all? No. Cut me off, Jason. Cut me off. Who speaks? I do. The branch of the tree nearest you. Cut me off. But your voice... Is it that of the old lady who brought me here? <laughs> Perhaps it is. Who knows? Cut me off. Do as I say. Very well. Now then, carve me into a figurehead for the prow of your ship. I will then be able to advise you when you are far out to sea. Well spoken, good woman. And now, Jason, remember my words. And may good fortune attend you. And so with 49 of the bravest heroes of Greece, Jason began his dangerous voyage. Saved many times from danger, yes, even death by the advice of the talking oak, we find him now safely landed at Colchis, the shrine of the Golden Fleece, in the throne room of the king. I greet you cordially, Jason. Princess Medea, make our guest welcome. You do, Colchis. Great honor, Prince Jason. Never before has Hero triumphed over the hazards of such a long and dangerous voyage. You are generous, Medea. Oh, what my daughter says is true, Jason. Now tell me, is your voyage for pleasure, or do you seek to discover new lands? The purpose of my visit is twofold. Or perhaps I should say, since I have seen the lovely Princess Medea, my business is twofold, my pleasure boundless. Your gallantry, Prince Jason, is equaled only by the swiftness of your decision. Uh, if you will pardon the interruption, Medea, you were saying, Prince Jason, the purpose of your visit? Sire, I will be completely frank with you. I seek to regain my father's throne, which King Peleus wrongfully took from him. 
Peleus has sworn he will give back the crown and scepter to me if I return with the divine symbol of kingship, the golden fleece. With your gracious permission, sire, I beg to execute that sacred mission. Well, father, if you will pardon the interruption, the nature of Jason's visit must considerably change the color of his welcome. Not at all, providing he can meet the requirements. Are you prepared for that, Jason? I am quite aware that they are dangerous, your majesty. But I do not know exactly what they are. Then I will be happy to tell you. First, you must tame and harness my fire-breathing black bulls, the gift of Vulcan, the fire god. Should you escape their fiery breath, you will meet the deadliest enemy yet encountered. The prize you seek hangs in a tree. Wrapped around its trunk is a dragon whose fiery breath and white-hot fangs reach outward Forty lengths. <laughs> if you succeed in slaying the scaly beast, then the golden fleece is yours. Well, the banquet in your honor is at sundown. Until then, I leave you to the tender care of Princess Medea. Well, Jason, is your business still twofold and your pleasure boundless? Since I looked into the depths of your great brown eyes, Medea... My purpose is strengthened a thousandfold. You have no fear, then? Only that you would deny me the warmth of your smile. By my soul, you are a man, Jason, worthy of a reward which you shall have. When the shadows of midnight hide the moon, I will be waiting for you at the sundial. Tigress or woman, sainted or bedeviled, where your dark eyes lead, I will follow. Have you been waiting long? Medea, at last. It seems a dozen moons have come and gone since last I looked upon your wondrous face. Empress of my world, let me hold you close. Nay, Jason. Later there will be time for soft words. But now, if you would secure the golden fleece and regain your father's throne, you face the gravest test of all your life. Look, beyond the wall there are two fire-breathing bulls. See, the flame from their nostrils lights up the whole meadow... How do you propose to yoke them and still live? The gods grant me the speed of lightning. If I escape their breath, I shall take each bull by the horn and twist him by will. Oh, my Jason of the bold heart. That is what I wanted to hear. Look you, here is a charmed ointment. Apply it to your body now, and their fiery breath will not even scorch. Medea, you are then what I've suspected all the time. A sorceress. I, art learned from my gifted aunt... A great enchantress named Circe. Oh, and I could tell you more. The old woman whom you carried across the stream and led you to the talking oak is known to me. I should have known those great eyes of the old woman who guided me. Now you stand again before me, young and beautiful Medea. You are ready. Go now. I will follow. The bulls are waiting. The gods smile on you, Jason. Breathe your fire, stout fellows. That's me, will you? Come on. There. Now the other. And there. Bravo. Oh, Jason. You have tamed them. Let go their horns now. They will follow, gentle as lambs. And now, Medea, the golden fleece and the dragon. 
Where are they? Listen. I hear a violent roar and hissing sound, but see nothing. Look yonder through the trees. By the crown of Jupiter, the dragon. Careful, careful. He can reach 40 lengths. Stand back, Jason. I fear him not. My spear is ready, and I charge. Jason, stay. No need to prove your courage further. Enchantment is as useful in this case, and quicker too. Now you have need for swift action. In this jeweled box is an incense. When the dragon reaches this way again, I shall release it. He will fall to the ground, senseless with sleep. Watch out. Here comes his head. And now, the incense. It is as you said. And now what wondrous woman? Come, part the branches of the tree above the coils of the dragon. Like this? Medea, the golden fleece. Oh, splendid, magnificent golden fleece. Take it down quickly, Jason. It is mine. Thanks to you, Medea, the golden fleece is mine. Now I shall return to Colchis. You haven't a moment to lose. My father, the king, is angry. He plans to burn your ship and put your comrades to the sword. So hasten. Below us is the harbor. Your ship, the Argo, and your brave crew await you. Wave to them. Tell them you have completed your mission. Medea, with your help, I have captured the golden fleece, royal emblem of all the kingdom. Now make my triumph complete. Come back with me as my queen. My king and my lord. Our destinies are forever joined together. Lead, and Nia follows. Crew of the Argo, we won! See, the Golden Fleece is mine! And that's it. The Golden Place is mine. That's the end. I guess so. You know, I I love that. It's a quick ending. I I love that for so many reasons, uh, especially, you know, assemble all the heroes of Olympus and stuff like that. You know, that's like, you know, and and it's so funny, too, because, you know, uh, Livin mentioned Groot, you know, the talking tree and everything. And it's like all these ideas, you know. They're cool again, and they're here again, you know, with, you know, yeah. the, the influx of our new mythology of comic book characters and superheroes and whatnot. So, so that you're that saying has... nothing is new. Nothing is new. It's all well, stolen from. Yeah. You know, it's it's, uh, you know, I'm experiencing the same thing. Joe and I had this conversation a while ago by rewatching all these Twilight Zone episodes um, I'm like, oh, that's the plot of Meet Joe Black, you know. Oh, that's the pl- plot yeah. of this movie. That's the plot of that movie. Um, so uh, it's just, but you know, uh, yeah, all these all these things are are you know in, serve as inspiration and um, influences uh, on on mm-hmm. newer things, and I and that that I kind of love. So 
anytime you know, I find it fascinating to go back to the source, yes. like the one of the first stories, and listen to that because mm -hmm. what I'm hoping is the listeners are inspired by the source material and you know like foxfire is doing some drawings and sending it to him and sharing and i, I think that's great because it's like i've posted on this forum how i draw and it's not that great it's <laughs> it's kind of horrible and so it's just fascinating to me that other people can can draw fairly well and that's why after we finish some things i'm gonna have a uh, some mermaid and sea inspired stuff because Zelda likes to draw mermaids and uh, I'm excited about that. Sea creatures and mermaids, why not? So, but yeah, anybody, if you want to submit your drawing for us to look at it and praise it, do that in the, in the chat room. Figure out how to do that. I'm kind of confused about it, but yeah, it's fun. I want to just be creative. Just, you know, be creative. So... Because it makes you happy, you think? Maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, like I said, um, uh, you know, the, um, uh, well, you know, I like mythology, and I really like the, yeah. um, you know, the old old stuff, like the Sumerian stuff, that yeah. you know predates the Bible, predates Greek and Roman stuff, and you know, the and I was not really familiar with that until yeah. uh, you know we were. You told me about it, so I was. I think that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and um, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh, I think, served as you know that that's one of the original, you know, the 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 earliest uh, hero epics, you know, um, uh, and and yeah, that so, but yeah, good stuff. No, that was, that was a good one to send everybody yeah, yeah. out on. Uh, so a nice heroic little adventure. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, just um, archetypes and uh, original, you know, like old, old, old stories are fascinating. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, the stories that they make from the old stories are, are sometimes really great too. So, I don't know. Absolutely. It's all exciting stuff. Whatever inspires you and. Well, Stuff thanks like for uh, thanks for having me fill in. Uh, I just want to remind everybody tomorrow night, uh, seven p.m. Eastern, seven to ten p.m. The debut of it came from Cleveland, and I've got two listener yes. questions for the robots already. Uh, they go hand in hand. So uh, Heather wants to know what do robots eat, and if they do, what do they poop? Asked by Foxfire. Mm-hmm. Excellent That's line of questioning. But yeah, get in, get in on the ground floor of it came from Cleveland. You'll love it. You'll be one of the first, uh, one of the the original members of the the fun audience, and uh, we'll have a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Is that it? Nine o'clock. Yep, that's it. Let's say goodbye and uh, see you next Tuesday for Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights. Check out our Patreon. If you do enjoy that kind of thing and uh thanks for showing up and enjoying all the fun stories
fairy lights for fairy nights. It's a blast bringing this stuff to you. Radioforhumans.com.